All right, blah, blah, blah. Ready? Hi, I'm that last dollop of Duke's mayonnaise you put on your tomato sandwich, Lee Cato. And I buy all my jeans at Walgreens. I'm Jeff Moles, and this is Breaking Church. It's a podcast that breaks down the walls of the church and builds up the body of Christ. We are very glad that you have joined us today on Breaking Church. We are going to be exploring the story of Moses and the burning bush. So in the breakdown today, we will be looking at this familiar story. And in Breaking Bread, we will be joined by our dear friend, the Reverend Janet Salyer. She's the best. Literally. She's the best. The best. Who will talk about call and vocation. Then in All Hell Breaks Loose, we are going to think about how the story of Moses and the call that he received to deliver his people informs our own lives. So let's do this, Jeff. Let's let's do it. Here we go. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. And then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. So, Jeff, tell me what are your first impressions of the burning bush? Um, well, I think my first impression is that 
some parts of the story are kind of Dr. Seuss-like. I mean, when it's talking about I am who I am, I am yeah, I you, you are, Sam I am. Yeah. And then, like, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Just, I, did someone just make that up? Yeah. Because those are I funny names. I don't know if they made them up, but... Yeah. So I just, there's some Dr. Seuss kind of rhythms in there. Mm -hmm. Love this. I mean, I think this is a one of the most important stories to me, but yeah, there's some, there's some funny little, there are some funny little things in here. Yeah. What about you, Lee? What were your first impressions? I've always just been very like the idea of a bush burning like out into like, like out in the wilderness in the mountain has always been like, I don't know. I just think that's the best, like the best image mm -hmm. ever. Which I don't know why. Why is that, Jeff? Why <laughs> do best, I think that's the best image ever? I just think it's really well, it's cool. A, but it's not consumed. Like it's just burning. Right. It's just burning. Yeah. Maybe I've always had a fascination with fire. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really have. I think fire is so beautiful. Mm hmm. I mean, well, that's why. Yeah. Well, it's a very mysterious. Yeah. Kind of a. Force. Not like, like I a don't pyro even know what way. it is. Like I'm not going to yeah, set. Don't worry, everybody. Stuff he's... on fire, but I just think it's a very like it is very mysterious. It is very. Yeah. You like, can just look at it for hours and be entertained. Right. Like it, and it does all kind of stuff. Like it, it melts things and it like sterilizes things and it's just. And brings it brings everything back down to just this most basic. Right. Breaks things down. Well, pretty pretty much all. I just think it's very stuff. beautiful. Yeah. Very beautiful. Very cool. Which burning bush do you? Which burning bush do you prefer? The one, the Ten Commandments, or the one of the Prince of Egypt? You really can't beat the Ten Commandments because it really didn't even look like fire that much. <laughs> I mean, these were early days, but there's some. That's the one I envision. Okay. Charlton Heston. I mean, I think Moses was exactly like that. A white man. Yeah. Perfect. Who was the so president the of the NRA? Of the yeah, he was. He was back heat. <laughs> So does the rest of the world. I know. Okay. Well, which one's your favorite? Well, I like the Prince of Egypt one, oh, of course. I knew because you were giving me judgmental looking eyes. Right. Saying, Ten Commandments. But the fire was very different looking in yeah. that one. Exactly. Yeah, it was more mysterious. All right, well, are you ready to break this down for us, Lee? Yes. All right, go for it. So in this very familiar story that we read today about Moses and the burning bush, there's a lot of things going on in this story, and there's a lot of themes that are going on. Um, but I think the main thing that's going on in this, in this moment of Moses' life when he's wandering through the wilderness, he's on this mountain, and all of a sudden he sees a bush that is burning and it's not being consumed, and that it ends up being God calling out to him. In a moment where I'm not sure that Moses was expecting, but God calling out to him in this very strange way. But fire was often seen as something that was of the divine, and so it would have been very familiar. It wouldn't have been as weird as it is today. But seeing and being call in, called out by God, for one, go and deliver your people and deliver these Israelites from their oppression. 
that's a pretty high, pretty high caliber kind of request. It's like, <laughs> yo, I'm yeah, here. Go to Pharaoh. Go to Pharaoh and, and Jay. Overthrow, overthrow <laughs> his to, uh, government. I need you to like, you know, free thousands and thousands upon thousands of people from their oppression. Just you. And so, of course, Moses is like, wait, hold on, what? Um, which I think anybody would be. And I always wondered, like, how that relates to our calls today and how we are, if you're in the, whether you're an activist or whatever, you're in your ministry, that you're always starting out to say, I'm going to do, I'm going to save the world and I'm going to do all this stuff and that's what I'm called to do. And that's good, but it also is just very overwhelming and very, it doesn't seem that achievable. And then we question ourselves just like Moses did. Moses was like, who am I to go to Pharaoh and tell them to set all these people free? But I think it's important to remember the words that God did tell Moses before he kind of dropped the bomb on him was that, for one, Remove your sandals. Remove your feet. Remove your feet. Oh. Let's not remove our feet. <laughs> yeah, don't that's remove little, your feet. That's a little drastic, Moses. Remove the sandals from your feet. <laughs> For the place you which are standing is holy ground. And that's just, it's very symbolic of just being like very firmly gra- grounded in where you are. But it's also being very firmly grounded in in God, I think. It's very, it's a, it's a symbol of being connected to where the divine is. And so I think that's also important to remember in our vocation and when our call is that, that that is where we are rooted in the divine and that is where we experience God in these very high demanding things that God is calling us to do in our lives. But God also tells Moses that I am always with you. And wherever God, and wherever you are, there I will be. And so it's kind of interesting to think about that wherever we go, when we're doing the work of God, that that is, that that space is holy and that space is divine and that space is working and the Spirit is working in that space. And that is also very interesting to think about. That it can be kind of boring to talk about call and vocation, but it is important to really think about that that is a place where the Spirit is working in what we do in our lives and what we're called to do, I think. Breaking bread. Today on our Breaking Bread segment, I am joined by one of my favorite people in the entire world, Janet Salyer. Janet is a Presbyterian minister whose ministry has been pastoral counseling and spiritual direction with an emphasis on vocational discernment. She worked with both Lee and I when we were young adult volunteers and serving, doing a year of mission service in Nashville, Tennessee, and of course bestowed our vocations right upon us. She just told us exactly what we wanted to do, right? So, glad that you're, you've joined us today, Janet. I'm glad to be here with you. So, first question, Janet. Uh, between me and Lee, which one of us is your favorite? 
Now, that's an impossible question. It's sort of like um, the question that Solomon was posed mm-hmm. about the, with the two women coming to Solomon um, with the baby. <laughs> yes, I think we remember. <laughs> you know that story. I know that story. So, I, yeah. I refuse to answer the question. <clears throat> oh, um, wow. She's getting, she's feisty already. I, I, I'm refusing. Okay. <laughs> I'm pleading the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, one of the things that um, I always think of when I think of you, Janet, is thinking about vocation and what what that means. Can you talk to us about what the word vocation, what calling, what what those words mean to you and what what those mean in, in the life of faith? Sure. Historically, traditionally, at the time of the Holy Roman Empire, when anybody talked about vocation, they were talking about a religious vocation, that they were talking about monastic life or the priesthood. But, but now in the Christian church and Christian tradition, when we talk about vocation, we're talking about any calling. Um, and we have this wider, deeper understanding that God calls each and, and all of us to a way of life and sometimes that way of life is to enter a religious vocation, a religious church leadership position, or a, or um, our career is our primary calling. But but we um, think about vocation as being what God calls each and every one of us to do as Christians. The work that I've done with people who are discerning vocation, however, really has been to listen with people and to, and watch with people for God's voice and activity in, in their lives as they try to determine how to use the particular gifts they've been given in their life of faith, how to use those gifts in ways that are of service to other people, how to, how to choose vocation or career that is a good fit for who God created them to be. I think a lot of times when people think about being called to something, it always is to professional ministry or to some sort of ministry in in mission, um, in a nonprofit, things like that. Can you talk more about how calling and a sense of vocation can be applied in all kinds of areas in our lives? Sure. I remember a story that Barbara Brown Taylor told in a couple of her books about her own sense of call. She was trying to discern whether or not to pursue ordination. She was a seminarian, and she was praying fervently for a sense of whether or not to stay on the ordination track on that path. And she found a place to pray that was, uh, it was, I think, a fire escape, actually. And she would climb those stairs. And sitting there in the evening, she would ask God for help discerning whether or not to uh, become ordained as a priest in the Episcopal Church. And she did that night after night. And then one night she heard, she said, the answer, which was God saying to her, do whatever you want to do. And uh, she said, how could that possibly be? What kind of answer is that? And then she heard, whatever you would like to do, but, but belong to me. So I think whatever, in whatever way we use our gifts, either in the way that we bring in an income, support ourselves, if we are using our gifts to the glory of God, we can, we can do that in, in any kind of job that we that 
in which we're engaged and, and in our relationships with other people, in the particular ways that God calls us to action, to service, to relationship. So, so all of life really can be, God calls us, I think, over and over and over again in our lives to respond uh, in ways that are in alignment with God's good, good purposes, good and loving purposes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that has to do with, with a religious vocation, but sometimes our calling is to serve faithfully and well in um, whatever arena in whatever arena we find ourselves. What would your advice be to someone who is feeling lost, like I think so many of us must feel, and someone who's looking for that sense of calling in their lives to find what it is they are, they are called to do and be? Besides the broader understanding of the fact that we are loved and valued by God and that we each in that relationship uh, are gifted in particular ways so that all of life is, is we're held in that meaningful relationship with God. I think if, if people are trying to discern vocation in the sense of career or the, uh, the other opportunities that come along, I think to to look carefully, reflect carefully and prayerfully on things like particular interests, um, values, talents and skills and gifts, the ways that they have been affirmed by others for um, who they are. The, the people in our lives can be mirrors for us to help us see our um, particular gifts and um can offer affirmation for the things that we have done or ways we've contributed that have been helpful and meaningful. So to think, first of all, about what gives us great joy and, and, and who we are, to know ourselves well, and then to pay attention to the affirmation that we receive from other, other people about who we are. It can be a really challenging path, that, the path of discernment because there's so many things that enter into that kind of decision-making, some real, just really practical kind of considerations about further training or education, the need to produce income, to bring in income. But I think that God typically calls us to places and opportunities that we are certainly sometimes stretched and challenged and sometimes are, are called to do things that we don't even particularly want to do, but that generally, because we're unique in our gifts, that if we are all using the gifts that we've been given and the talents that we have, then the world turns more smoothly. If we try to bend ourselves out of shape like pretzels and do things for which we are not especially gifted, then we won't, we won't be joyful in the work and we really won't be able to contribute as much as we could if we were doing something that was a good fit. Well, Reverend Janet Sawyer, thank you very much for being with us and thank you for all the ways that you have impacted our lives. For sure. Thank you for being in my life. <laughs> all hell breaks loose. The context of our story for today, the story of Moses and the burning bush, is really found in the chapter that comes before where where we began the reading, uh, the very end of Exodus chapter 2. So this is immediately after 
the story of the birth of, of Moses, and it was kind of one of those, like, fast-forward kind of scenes. Mm-hmm. And Moses is an adult here. So that this, the end of uh, Exodus chapter 2 says, After a long time the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. So that's really the, the context. The, the people were crying out, and God listened. God, God heard, heard what they had to say. And then um, in the, the reading that we, we read to, to them, God is saying in the burning bush, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them. So, this is really kind of a fourfold thing, as the the last part of Exodus chapter 2 says. God heard them. God remembered the covenant. God saw them, and God took notice of them. And I think this is a pattern that, that we are all called to, to carry out. Mm. And so I think the action that this this story calls us to is to remember that, you know, from these early early stories of God's interaction with God's people, God is identifying most closely and, with and almost taking on the sufferings of those who are being oppressed. God is hearing hearing that cry and and acting. So, you know that that first thing, God heard. God listened. So I think, you know, I think that calls us to hear the stories of people around us, you know, with, with things that have been going on in the world recently. I hear there's part of this reaction that I, I mostly hear from white people mm. um, as, you know, well, turn off the TV and let's just be nice to one another. Let's and just get not back. think about it. Yeah, let's not think about it. <laughs> exactly. Let's just not think that people yeah. are just... Losing their homes and yeah, turn off 50 the news. feet of water in Texas. And yeah, turn off the news and just love your neighbor. And I mean, I agree with the sentiment. We should all love our neighbor, but I think we have to do that by being aware of what's going on in the world and having um, an accurate grounding. So mm-hmm. I think that that listening to um, to others and listening, especially I think to you know the stories of those who are in. Um, situations of of suffering and uh, oppression are are key to us being able to to identify with with them and key mm-hmm. to us you know discovering a call in our own lives to to respond. So second, so the first thing God God heard. Second thing, God remembered. God remembered a, this you know particularly a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I think you know that. This is calling us all to remember mm. the covenant that God has with us, the covenant you know that that says that we are called as God's people, that we belong to God, that God is with us no matter what. And you know that that is it's easy for us to say, but it's hard for us to truly remember in in our lives and in, uh, to live you know as though we remember. Uh, that we belong to God. Um, I think, you know, this this thing about God remembering, We 
I think we have this image of God. It's like, is it an owl that never forgets? An elephant? Elephants never forget. They don't. God's like a wise old elephant that never forgets. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going with that image. But it's like I don't I don't picture God as being this being that has to remember things. And I think this text um, personifies God and by saying God remembered. Mm-hmm. God, it was brought back to God's the forefront of of that memory, um, the importance of that covenant. So, so listening, remembering, those are two important things. The third thing here is God looked, God saw, and I think this can be be a hard one. Um, I've heard people talk about how important it is to be a witness to suffering, mm. and I think that I've. I've found that to be true in my life. Um, you know, I certainly don't want to glorify the suffering of others or use the suffering of others to benefit my life in some way. But I have found that my life, um, that I have taken on um, a different view of things mm-hmm. after experiencing suffering. Um, you know, it's it's very different to just um, read about something or um, just kind of know intellectually about something mm-hmm. and then to actually see it and yeah. to experience it. Um, and I have this vivid memory of, you know, when the early days of my working with um, the homeless community and uh, there was this man who was having... Um, this really severe mental health episode and it in, you know it resulted in him attempting to take his own life right there in front of me and i remember in that moment just this really vivid feeling of i just witnessed something that i have never seen before mm-hmm. you know human life you know just about at, at its lowest when mm-hmm. somebody was ready to give up and um it was you know, almost a privilege, I think, to be part of that and um, to to allow that to um, be part of my experience is very difficult to experience, but also something that um, was sort of, of a d- divine moment for me. So God listened, God remembered, God saw. And then this fourth part, the last part, is God took notice. And I think that's where, you know, I think taking notice is different than, than just seeing. Taking notice is taking, taking it in mm-hmm. and um, allowing what you've heard and seen to make a difference in, in your own actions, to, to act and... Um, so I think that's that's the fourth thing that we're called to do is, you know, not just be aware, not just remember, not just witness, but to to take notice, to allow these things to call our lives into to doing something different. So I think you know God's God's call to Moses was really a call to be in solidarity with people who were enduring slavery, people who were crying out. And I think that is what, what we're called to, 
Mm -hmm. It's the same ministry that we're we're still called to to be in in solidarity with with people and to to work for their liberation and and ours together uh, as as partners in that journey. Well, it's time to break up, but the good news is we can get back together again next week. Visit our website at breakingchurch.com. There you'll find links to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to comment, share your thoughts, and don't forget to subscribe to Breaking Church on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you've made it this far, leave us a review. But only good reviews, please. Only good ones. So now take off those shoes because there is holy ground all around you. And listen, because God is calling you to something beyond yourself. And remember that God has claimed us as children and heirs of the covenant. So go and witness the cries of humanity. And take notice, because God is about to do a new thing. Go in peace, y'all. We'll see you.